0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Before we get going, I want to take a moment to tell you about some exciting news for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans. With coverage from reporters Todd Millis and Andy Bueller, me, Dan Dickow, SB Live's recruiting expert, this SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from
0: the deep corner for three. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan Connect. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work.
1: Well, I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) I got to salute you, man. Like I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, SB Live Sports for the Believe Podcast Network. Today's conversation, as usual, geared around the sport of basketball. Today's is someone I got to know way back in, gosh, would have been the summer of 1996. We were teammates uh, at the Nike All-American camp before the AAU scene was really disbanded and splintered into a number of different unique factions uh, it was a chance for me to kind of play against with and against some of the best players in the country this assistant coach was a teammate of mine back then BYU's assistant Chris Burgess Chris it's hard to believe what was that 25 years ago or so uh, we were both high school kids I actually still have some videos of of that camp i need to try to see if my vcr still works maybe send you a copy of some of those but uh, how has the aau world changed yeah. in rankings as well in those 25 years well
0: man that 25 years holy cow i think i think a lot's changed first of all espn has really gotten behind with their you know their top 100 um and, and that's a big deal right and then you add you know uh, rivals and verbal commits and all these different things so they think there's <clears throat> everyone has a sense to just click online and and go and see you know who's who who's the five star you know there wasn't five stars back then right there wasn't high major and mid-major and low major like uh tags that you know we give these these kids right these student uh, potential student athletes and so um that's all changed right and so like a lot of times in recruiting, it's just like, well, who's recruiting them? Who's recruiting them? Right. That wasn't, that wasn't, I don't think that was going on when we were kids. Right. And so coaches back then really had to, you know, evaluate, go out and see, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't the YouTube and all those different things. And so a lot has changed, but um, for the good, right. For the good. And so like more kids can be seen and there's really no um, unknown. You'll, you'll find a sleeper, but usually a sleeper is a less, uh, a later developed kid, right. He's not an 18 year old kind of man child. And so, you know, it's hard to go unseen or unheard of um, this day and age. Um, but, you know, those, those are fun memories. And, and you know, uh, to this day, right, I'll run into different guys that we got to play against and and, and play with. And and uh, we always talk about it, right? You, you yeah. got to be involved in that 1996 or 1997 or whatever it was, Nike All-American Camp. Um, it's, just, it's just a, just a special um, bond that we all have with each other.
1: Well, I remember uh, clearly for me because there was – I was the only – player from the state of Washington who was at the camp, Michael Johnson uh, from the Seattle area, who you knew uh, a little bit as well. He went to the Adidas version, but I remember it was the first chance I had to really play against national level guys. And I had you at six ten, who could run the floor, throw lobs to step out. You were kind of one of those first kind of pick and pop bigs. who could really shoot it from beyond the three. And then we had Corey Maggette running the wing. So I had all these options I had never had before. and, And it definitely made me look good. Um, was there any particular youth basketball memory, whether it's that uh, Nike All-American Camp or any other event that happened that made you think, you know what, I am better than the average kid, and I have a chance to get to the college level and, and, and have a nice career? Yeah, well,
0: I'll, let me talk about the 1996 All-American Camp, because obviously you were involved. So Miles Simon right, was a current Arizona player. This is before they won the national championship. Um, you know, They won it the following year. And Miles was my high school teammate. When I was a freshman, he was a senior at Mater day, So moder- he's a counselor, right, one of the college counselors who's out there. And Miles was like, you know, how many threes are you going to bang today? And I was like, Miles, wait do you see my point guard. He's going to get me like, I don't have to do much. All I got to do is run the floor. Like, he's going to find me. And no five man understands how to guard a guy who, who runs the wing, right? Usually- yeah. And so that first game, you I mean, I don't know if you remember, but I hit – I told Miles he was going to get three, and I think I hit three in the first like eight minutes of the game. And I was like, "I told you, all I, like all I got to do is run to this wing and trail in." So I do remember that like it was yesterday, simply because you know Miles is who he you know was, my my teammate, my senior captain, all those different things. And I you know told him I was going to hit three, and I banged three right away. Um, but in terms of a memory, I was like, you know, I got a chance to play at a high level. You know, I was one of the lucky ones at the UCLA men's gym, which was about, a, you know, no traffic, 40 minute drive from my house in Irvine, California. And I would go up there and I was invited. And, you know, I think at the time, Jim Herrick was the head coach. And there was two high school guys who were allowed to play at the time it was myself and Baron Davis. Um, and so we go and play and Magic Johnson. Right. This is 1996. Right. Wow. This is That just kind of retired a few yeah. years earlier. Magic Johnson runs them. Like he runs the men's gym there, kind of the wooden center, and Magic brings me over, and I'm pretty sure Herrick put them put him up to this. So because so, he's, he brings me over. It's like, hey, I'm gonna put you on my team. We're gonna do this. We're gonna play these guys. You just run the floor and do your thing. You gotta understand. Like I'm a Laker fan growing up since I was, you know, seven, eight years old, and I've got Magic coaching me up and putting me on his team, and I did pretty well, right? Like I, I felt like I hung with some of the pros that are out there, whether they're overseas guys, a ton of NBA guys. Um, obviously all of the UCLA current players um, that won the national championship the year before with Ed O'Bannon, Charles O'Bannon, Toby Bailey. So at that point, I thought I got a chance to to um, play at this level. And then right after we played pickup, Don McLean, who was playing, grabs him, was like, hey, let's play some one-on-one. And he absolutely just torched me and took no mercy on me. And then I was, I was humbled in the bed and like, I don't know if I can do this, man. I'm not good enough, right? And he was, he was, uh, he was kind enough to humiliate me one-on-one. And then actually took me to breakfast, my, him and my dad afterwards. So I would say those kind of two things where I, I thought I had a chance to play, play at a high level and, and do something special with this game
1: that is awesome that magic Johnson story I know a lot of guys who spend time in Spokane now have similar stories in regards to John Stockton I actually ran into him this morning and uh, even if you spend five minutes around somebody you ask a question or two or, or you know they just start kind of picking apart the game when you talk about it or in the case that we were both talking about just playing and how they make the game easy it's tons of memories tons of experience and obviously you learn from that. Now, you were highly recruited by literally everybody in the country. You chose Duke. You went all the way from Southern California out to Duke. What was it like playing for Coach K? Because that was still the early part of Coach K becoming Coach K. Obviously, he was on his path to being a Hall of Famer. But I don't think Duke was Duke at that point yet. Am I correct in saying that?
0: That's right. So he'd only won two national championships, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, what's interesting is their assistant coaches at the time that were recruiting me were Quinn Snyder, right, current coach of the Utah Jazz, um, Tommy, Tommy Amaker, Harvard's coach, and then um, David Henderson, who was the big man coach, former player of his. And so in recruiting me, you know, you just – you know, they were coming off a couple of years where Coach was out with his back injury, right, and, you know, they didn't make the tournament, and then, the, you know, my, I think my sophomore year or junior year, they got balanced in the first round by um, Eastern Michigan, right, with the with – the, um, I'm forgetting the point guard's name, who ended up playing with the Nuggets for a while, uh, Earl Boykins. Earl
1: Boykins, yeah.
0: <clears throat> so, you know, they weren't like the Duke getting to the Final Four every year when I was coming out, like were you expect him to get to the Final Four like kind of they are now getting all the one and done And so during the recruiting, you know, he, Coach K was putting together this really uh, amazing class of 1997, right? I think he got Elton Brand to commit first. Uh, Battier came in and Avery came in and I was kind of the last piece. And so, I knew, I knew a couple of things that I wanted out of my college career, right? I wanted a chance to go to the final four and win a national championship game. I wanted that. I know that was one of the number one things I wanted to do. I, I'm, a, I'm a college basketball fan since I was a little boy and, and it's something I've always dreamed of. And I, and I realized that you, you, you got to go to a team that can do, do that and it's and you got to have the right pieces. So I knew right away, I could do that at Duke just because of the players that were having coming back and Wojowski and Langdon and Ricky Price. And then the class we had coming in, and this is before the one and done's, right? There wasn't any one and done or two or two and done for that matter that left Duke. And so I thought those three guys coming in, Avery, Brandon, Batty, we had a chance to do something really special for the next four years. So I knew of that the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to play against the best and not just what everyone talks about the ACC. I also want to play against the very best in practice, right? I wanted to, I wanted to compete in practice and, be pushed every day and be uncomfortable, and I knew I was going to get that with at Duke, right? Not just with Elton, uh, but Tamon Domzalski who was coming back, and the other bigs that they had returning. Um, and 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 I knew I wanted to be coached, right? I wanted to be pushed and be coached. And Coach K's pedigree, even though he only had two national championships, was considered, you know, one of the best coaches in college basketball at that time. And so th- those three things were really factored into my recruiting, and they did a fantastic job. As did other schools. But when it came down to it, like I I just felt like that was, you know, the best place for me to kind of achieve those three
1: things, which I really wanted. Have you ever had a pair of sunglasses that you've lost and become frustrated you lost them, that were scratched, or just quite frankly didn't fit very well? Well, look no more. Canon sunglasses are the best. I repeat, the best. You will not be disappointed in Canon sunglasses. They are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made to be clearer, lighter, and stronger. They're also Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So you add the lenses and the frames to create a powerful sunglass combo. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon. Clearly better. Well, you and I both started it at school, then we transferred, and, and we kind of found our footing. Uh, a redshirt year for me was tremendous, uh, allowing me to physically kind of catch up because uh, I was a late bloomer. It also allowed me to kind of get healthy after a, a broken foot and a surgery, okay. and it allowed me to kind of immerse myself in Gonzaga's program. You had the same with with Utah. Yeah. First, tell us about that decision to transfer, how that helped your career, But then also how different it was back when we decided to transfer compared to now, because there's like, I'm sure there's close to 1,400 names now in the transfer portal.
0: Yeah, and and it's so much different. First of all, there wasn't a portal. And, you know, when I transferred, literally, I think I talked to three schools, and I had reached out to all three. You know, I'd reached out to, uh, you know, University of Utah, which is where I transferred. I reached out to Coach Steve Lavin at UCLA, because that's where I was from and had a fantastic relationship with him prior. because When they recruited me, he was the assistant, who was the lead assistant. And then, you know, the other third school was where Quinn Snyder was going, right? Which was Missouri. You know, he was headed to Mizzou and, and I had a great relationship with Quinn. And, and so those are kind of the three schools where now, right? Like everyone's being reached out by 20 to 30 schools and you're posting all of them, right? You're posting interests and offers and all these different things. Like we didn't think like that back then. It's a different era. I get all that, uh, but this was really serious. This was, this for me, and I don't know how it was for you. It was, it was a make or break for my basketball collegiate career. Right. And, and not that, like, I think failing is the wrong word we use for these kids at transfer. It's not that I felt like I failed. I just felt like, you know, I needed a different scenery, a different style of play. And other things that were important two years ago, you know, were different, right? Like it was important for me to find a place that, you know, style of play um, usage, um, being able, being able to do what I felt was, which, which I was really good at. Right. And so, um, and, and so those things became important when I was leaving. So in talking to Utah and UCLA, ended up being my final two. I went on a visit and absolutely loved the way Majeris just, we watched film. And man, he was he was just so critical, right? But, but like it was construction, constructional, but it was just super critical of what he expected. Um, they're going to, they've won way before me and they're going to win way after me. They didn't really need me. Right, he's like you're coming to a tournament team, and we just went to the final four. And whether you come or not, it didn't mat- It doesn't matter. And like I loved that, I loved that, and you know, and so um, I'm, I'm like, it ended up working out, right? And like you said, the red Sheer was so good for me. I got to go against Hanno Medelo, which was a second round pick and an, and an international star from Finland. Um, I got to go against him every single day. And I got to do things that like when they're on the road and work on your body and work on your all the different things that you do to get better during the year, but you just didn't have the gains, right? And so I got to put in that extra work. Unfortunately, like I want to say about January, I tore my back and like had a bulging disc and had to sit the rest of the season. So I felt like I missed a lot at the same time simply because I was resting my back. Uh, with, you know, with an L5 S1 disc, which is killing me. And that kind of was the storyline. The next couple of years of my career there, at Utah was just the injury bug. Um, but very grateful to get another opportunity to play at a winning program for a hall of fame coach, a winning coach, uh, winning fan, like an unbelievable fan base. And and, and and that place is, you know, even though I'm at BYU now or rivals is still super special to me. and. Um, you know, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to play at both schools like I am. I, I, I claim both still, and I'm very grateful I had that opportunity to play for Coach K and you know, obviously Rick Majerus.
1: Yeah, that's funny that you're uh, you, you're linked to, to rival schools now, and I'm the same way in the state of Washington with U-Dub and Gonzaga because that has become uh, a heated rivalry because U-Dub uh-huh. can't beat Gonzaga at anything anymore. There I said it. I know someone's going to make a comment, but it kind it's of true. is what it is, right? True.
0: <laughs> it is true, man.
1: But hey, was there a coach that kind of taught in a way that made you look like, hey, when I'm done playing, um, which ended up being a 10 plus year career over in Europe, was there a coach that really made you sit back and think, you know what, I love the impact that this guy's had on me. I think I want to get into coaching and be like that person.
0: Well, interesting enough, Donnie Daniels and I only got to play for him one year, my redshirt year, University of Utah before he got the head coaching job at Fullerton and then went to UCLA and obviously the Zags. But I loved the way you uh, Donnie not just coached on the court, but he cared about you so much off the court. He was such a relationship guy. You can go in his office, you could talk. I felt like I could talk about anything with him, right? Whether it was basketball related, um, you know, girlfriend related, right? You know, whatever it was and I, and I just love that part. And he's such a people person. Um, that I knew I could like, I didn't know where my career was gonna go basketball wise. Like I felt I had a chance to play professionally at some level, um, but I always, I knew then I wanted to get into it because um, I love being around the game. Um, it's something I know and something I'm passionate about, but I knew I could do it right when I was around coach Daniels, simply because I think that's so important, connecting and communicating with kids. And, and I feel like I have a similar personality when it comes to, I'm going to tell you how it is, but you, you, you trust me. I'm gonna build a relationship with you. You know, I care about you Or you can come in and <clears throat> tell me how your day is going. Tell me how you, how, how life is, you know, outside of academics and the basketball things which is what, what coaches really care about. Right. Which is what yeah. we're graded on. Right. And so, um, uh, Donnie, the second would be Quinn Snyder. <clears throat> I love his voice. His voice was so amazing. When you would struggle, you would play great. He would always hit you afterwards and come visit you at the dorm afterwards. And, and, again, it goes back to, like, just the relationship part, like the connection part. Like, I, those two guys had something super special that um, stood stood out. Um, you know, and then I started playing overseas, and, and then when I was getting closer to uh, finishing and retiring, I knew I wanted to get into it, and I, I luckily kind of found my way into it by, by doing a couple of things. But um, I would say those two guys, um, is I, I felt like, man, I want, I want to be, like, and when I think about being an assistant, I, I I try to be like those are the guys that stick in my head why they were so good. I try to emulate and, and and try to do the things they did when I was a kid, right when I was playing for them.
1: Most assistants have that vision or that goal of of running their own program at some point. And, and to be honest, I think that's necessary to have that competitive drive in you and wanting to do uh, get to that next level. Uh, I'm sure you're 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 feeling like. You're almost ready to be a head coach. You may have interviewed uh, for a job or two that I'm not quite sure about right now. But what is it going to take for you to take that next step? Because um, the conversations that we've had, uh, you know, you, you talk like a head coach as far as a game preparation, scouting reports, uh, and what your team needs to do to be successful. For you, what do you view the next steps are?
0: That's a great question. And I think that, you know, right now we can be doing things to prepare yourself as head coaches, right? There's, um, you know, the way you prepare, the way you watch film, the way you talk to these guys you know, the way you recruit, the way, you know, I actually write down things in my notes that, you know, things I love, things I don't like, right. That, th- that with different places, places I've been, I write down different, like I meet in a, different assistants and connect <clears throat> around the country. I actually have a, like a list of guys that <clears throat> I would poten- like potentially on your short list of guys, if you do get a head coach, you should start, I should start thinking about those things now. Um, I don't know if you, all, you know, I don't know if like you can fully be ready until you're given that opportunity. Um, because you're going to get thrown in the fire um I've always been the suggestion guys this consistent coaches right that's our job it's the suggestion guys and now you get to be the decision maker well I've never been a decision maker but I've also been never given that opportunity to be the decision maker and so um I'm doing everything I can right now with um learning from coach Pope learning watching other people I watch a ton of you know actually honestly watch a ton of the Zags watch a ton of what Baylor does I watch the great teams because you know, I know they have great players, but they do some things, they do a lot of things right with the way they play, the way they move the ball or the way, you know, um, defensively, how they switch. And I think they're way ahead of time is the way they switch everything, off ball screens, on ball screens. And so I'm constantly trying to push myself um, that way as a coach by watching film. Um, so when I do get the opportunity interviewing and, or, you know, get a head coaching job, I, I'll be as prepared as I can be. And then I'm gonna have to learn. I'm gonna have to learn from mistakes once I become a head coach, right? Just like all head coaches have to do. And so, um, I think a big thing, another thing, is the interview process. You know, like just I've I've done a couple of them, but I think you need to prepare yourself for the interview. What tough questions are they going to ask, and and what do you need to be ready for? And, and there's different things that the NABC does to puts on these kind of like head coaching interview mock things, mock little interviews. And I think those are super helpful to be involved with because you, you've got to be you've got to be ready, prepared, and, and just blow the AD and the boosters and whoever else involved right on the board, blow them away with why you should take over their basketball team and their program. So um, I'm trying to do everything I can right now to do my job and be a great assistant and to help Coach Pope win basketball games. Uh, but at the same time, trying to prepare myself um, to become a head coach because it's a goal and a dream of mine um, and when given the opportunity, like I'll, I'll be, you know, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to
1: succeed. Well, Chris, I appreciate the time. And, and I do know that your time is coming. You're going to be a, a head coach before we know it. Uh, you're one of the great assistants on that West coast, uh, that I've been able to get to know over the last few years with my broadcasting work. And, and I can say that a hundred percent that when you get your chance, I think you're going to do a great job. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. So Thanks again for joining, and uh, best of luck to BYU and the Cougars uh, in every game but two, hopefully three next year. Three, hopefully three. Uh, (laughs) All right, thanks again, and take care. Of course,
0: man, I appreciate you having me on. This was awesome.
1: The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe.